قال إمام النووي رحمه الله الحديث الرابع والعشرون تحريم الظلم أن عبي ذر الغفاري رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فيما يرويه عن ربه أنه قال يا عبادي إني حرمت الظلم على نفسي وجعلته بينكم محرما فلا تظالموا يا عبادي كلكم ضال إلا من هديته فاستهدوني أهدكم يا عبادي كلكم جائع إلا من أطعمته فاستطعموني أطعمكم يا عبادي كلكم عار إلا من كسوته فاستكسوني أكسكم يا عبادي إنكم تخطئون بالليل والنهار وأنا أغفر الذنوب جميعا فاستغفروني أغفر لكم يا عبادي إنكم لن تبلغوا ذر ذري فتذروني ولن تبلغوا ولن تبلغوا نفعي فتنفعوني يا عبادي لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنساكم وجنكم كانوا وإنساكم وجنكم كانوا على أتقى قلب رجل واحد منكم ما زاد ذلك في ملك شيئا يا عبادي لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم كانوا على أفجر قلبي قلب رجل واحد منكم ما نقص ذلك من ملكي شيئا يا عبادي لو أن أولكم وآخركم وإنسكم وجنكم قاموا في سعيد واحد فاسألوني فاسألوني فأعطيت كل واحد ما سألته مسألته ما نقص ذلك مما عندي إلا كما ينقص المخيط إذا أدخل البحر يا عبادي إنما هي أعمالكم أحصيها لكم ثم أوفيكم إياها فمن وجد خيرا فليحمد الله فليحمد الله ومن وجد غير ذلك فلا يلومن إلا نفسه رواه مسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه وبعد Last week by the grace of Allah سبحانه وتعالى we explained a part of this hadith I think up to where he says سبحانه وتعالى يا عبادي إنكم تخطئون بالليل والنهار وأنا أغفر الذنوب جميعا فاستغفروني أغفر لكم يا عبادي oh my slaves إنكم تخطئون بالليل والنهار you make mistakes night and day وأنا أغفر الذنوب جميعا but I forgive all sins فاستغفروني therefore ask me for forgiveness أغفر لكم and I will forgive you then after that, he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say this hadith is a hadith qudsi, which means the hadith 
is spoken by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and narrated by the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but it is not part of the Quran and it's not recited in salah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala after that says, Ya ibadi, O my slaves, innakum lan tabluqu dhurri fatadhurruni. Innakum lan tabluqu dhurri fatadhurruni. You can never reach a point where you are able to harm me. Even if you all gathered together, lan tabluqu dhurri, you can never reach a point where you can harm Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah cannot be harmed. We are his creation. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not benefit anything from us. And at the same time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not afraid of anything coming from us. So, even if we advanced so much in science and technology and we all came together and tried to cause any kind of harm to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you will never reach a point where you can harm me. And there is never going to come a time in history or in the future when you will be able to come together and help Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with something. Whatever happens, you will never be able to help me in any way. Firstly, you can't harm me. There is nothing bad you can ever do to Allah. And you can never help Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in any way. So this phrase just shows how powerless we are as far as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is concerned. You remember at the beginning of the hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inni harramtu dhulma ala nafsi wa ja'altuhu muharraman baynakum fala tadhalamu. I made dhulm haram on myself. Meaning I made it haram upon myself. I should not make dhulm against any one of you. But when you think about it, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to do dhulm to us, does Allah have the ability? If Allah wanted to be unjust to us, does he have the ability? He has the ability, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if he wanted to be unjust to us, is there anything that we can do to stop him, subhanahu wa ta'ala? If he decided to exercise injustice, ta'ala Allah, may Allah be exalted above that. If he decided, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to exercise injustice and say, I will put all of you in the hellfire forever. You may complain, but at the end of the day, what can you do about it? Who would you report to? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, despite the fact that he has the power to do that, decided to impose it upon himself, never to exercise injustice against any person. He has all the power. The human being who has very limited power, decided to take it upon himself to be unjust to other people. So this phrase, إِنَّكُمْ لَنْ تَبْلُغُوا ضُرِّي فَتَضُرُّونِ You will never reach a point where you can harm me. وَلَنْ تَبْلُغُوا نَفْعِي فَتَنْفَعُونِ And you can never um, help me. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does for us, He does it because He's our creator and He loves us subhanahu wa ta'ala not because He's afraid of anything from us. There's nothing we can do to Him. 
And he does it not because he expects anything from us. There's, there's nothing to expect from us. Do you see how loving he is to us? How kind he is, subhanahu wa ta'ala. We love certain people and we do things for them. But at the end of the day, there is that little element of expectancy, expecting at least something from them. You love your wife, you spend on her, you do everything for her, but you can't say, I expect absolutely nothing from her. There's always something you expect from her. There's a certain way you expect her to behave, at least. There is some benefit that you get from it. Everything that we cherish, everything we spend on, we get a benefit from it at the end of the day. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spends on us. He gives us everything we need. And there is nothing to benefit from us. No harm, no help comes from the human being. Then he says, Ya ibadi, O my slaves, Law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum wa insakum wa jinnakum kanu ala atqa qalbi rajulim minkum ma zada thalika fi mulki shay'a. If the first of you, up to the last of you, the first of you means if starting with the first human being I created, through all the generation until the last human being who's going to be born in the world, if all of you, starting from the first one to the last one, were in sakum, the human beings, were jinnakum, and include the jinn in that. The first jinn I created, to the last jinn I'm going to create. If all of them, kanu ala atqa qalbi rajulin minkum, if they had the heart of the most pious person among you, who is the most pious person among us? Who's the most pious person in the world? The, the most God-fearing person in the world. Who's he? Rasulullah From the hadith of the three who said, one of them said, I will pray the whole night and I will not sleep. The other one said, I will not get married in order to concentrate on ibadah. The other one said, I'm going to, to fast uh, a lifetime in order to concentrate on ibadah. Rasulullah sallallahu said, I'm the most fearful of Allah among you, meaning I'm the most pious of you, but I eat sometimes and I fast at other times, and I have wives, and I sleep sometimes and make ibadah sometimes. And whoever follows a sunnah other than mine, then he is not a part of me. The point in the hadith is, I am the most pious of you. Rasulullah is the most pious, the most God-fearing man. So if all of us, from the first person that Allah created, to the last person that Allah is going to create, the first jinni that Allah created, to the last jinni that Allah created, if all of us were like Muhammad if we all feared Allah like Muhammad all of us, it would not increase anything of what Allah has. Nothing is going to change. 
If all of you became like Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, fearing Allah the way Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fears Allah, that is not going to make Allah richer. It's not going to promote anything. Allah remains what he is. In other words, I, I don't need it. The salah is not mine, it's yours. I, I don't need it. It doesn't make me richer. Salah doesn't make Allah rich. It makes you rich. Zakat does not enrich Allah. It enriches you. All the ibadat do not enrich Allah. They enrich you. They make you rich. So if all of you were as pious as Muhammad wasallam, that would not increase anything of what I have. Ya ibadi, O my slaves, law anna awwalakum wa akhirakum, he repeats the phrase, if the first of you to the last of you, wa insakum wa jinnakum, mankind and the jinn, from the first one that I created to the last one I'm going to create, kanu ala afjari qalbi rajulin wahidin minkum, if they were like the most criminal mind that I ever created. Like Fir'aun or Abu Jahl, the greatest kafir in the world. If all of you, starting from the first to the last, including the jinn, if all of you became like Fir'aun, that is not going to take away anything of what I have. Allah has what He has. If we all refuse to pray, we are not going to pray. That's, that's not going to change anything. If we all became Fir'aun and said, we're not going to accept him, we're not going to say, la ilaha illallah, it's, it's not going to change anything. Because Allah is Ghani, Allah is independent, he's not dependent on you. Allah has always existed. He existed before you, he existed before me. He existed with difficulties, you think he had problems because, because you were not there? Absolutely not. And even if we ceased to exist today, you think he would have problems because we are not here? Absolutely not. Whether we pray or we don't pray, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that, that doesn't change anything. Mimma Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ya ibadi, he says, O oh my slaves, لَوْ أَنَّ أَوَّلَكُمْ وَآخِرَكُمْ وَإِنْسَكُمْ وَجِنَّكُمْ قَامُوا فِي صَعِيدٍ وَاحِدٍ فَسَأَلُونِي فَأَعْطَيْتُ كُلَّ إِنْسَانٍ مَسْأَلَتَهُ مَا نَقَصَ ذَلِكَ مِمَّا عِنْدِي إِلَّا كَمَا يَنْقُصُ الْمِخْيَطُ إِذَا أُدْخِلَ الْبَحْرِ If all of us together the first people that Allah created up to the last people and the jinni also, the first jinni that Allah created to the last jinn, if all of us came at the same time, when he says fi sa'idin wahidin, he means the same place, same time. All of us at the same time, if we all gathered in the same place and all of us at the same time, in all our different languages, all the languages in the world, 
He is asking, I'm asking, and billions and billions of other people that Allah created before, and billions and billions of jinni that Allah created before, in all their different languages, if all of them, qamu fi sa'idin wahidin, all of them, one place, one time, fasa'aluni, then they asked me. Then I give each one of you, each one of them, what they are asking for. If I gave all of them, you ask what you need. Whatever you want, ask Allah. And every person should ask. That would not take away from what I have, except the way a needle takes away from the water of the sea when you dip it in the sea. How much does it take away? Zero. If you get a needle, you place it in the sea, and then you take it out, would you notice that something has come out of the sea? You say there is less water in the sea because you put a needle in the sea and the needle has taken a lot of water. <coughs> so all your needs, all our needs, and all the needs of those that Allah created before, the jinni and the people, all our needs, if we asked him, and he gave all of us at the same time, that's what it would take away from him. It's nothing. In other words, whatever he gives you, Allah, to him, it doesn't count. It's, it's simply nothing. That's why if you remember, I keep saying, why, why do you ask for little? When you ask Allah, why, why do you ask for little? You think Allah has little? When you ask Allah, ask big. Ask for big things, not, not little things. It's not like a human being where you think if I ask for too much, maybe that's going to bankrupt him. Allah never uh, runs bankrupt. Allah gives you anything you want. But because our confidence is very, very low and because of the estimate that we have of Allah, you go there asking Allah, Allah, if you just give me for me, if I just have a small house, a small house, even two bedrooms where I can sleep, and why, why are you asking for a small house? You think if Allah gave you a big house, it would change anything with him? You ask Allah, yeah, Allah for me, if I can just manage uh, just a little something. What little something? Ask Allah for something big. Like Sulaiman alayhi salatu wasalam, after the other. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. So I was saying, when we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we bear in mind that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, you know, infinite position, subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if a person asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala among us, here in the masjid, if one asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make him the richest man in the world, is, is that possible for Allah? It's possible for Allah to make one of us the richest man in the world, right? But who among us ever asked Allah to make him the richest man in the world? Who among us ever asked him to make him the richest man in the world? You never asked him that. Why have you never asked Allah to make you the richest man in the world? Because you think it's not possible. Yeah. Because if, if you believed, if you believed it was possible, you would be asking for it. 
But you didn't ask for it because you think, ah, that's, that's not our level. <laughs> you, 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 you give yourselves levels. You think, for me, my level is a two-bedroomed house. And that's all I can ask Allah. I, I can't ask him bigger than that. So our faith in Allah is so weak and so little. If we had strong faith in Allah, we would ask for big things. Yeah, Allah, I want to be the richest man in the world. And there is nothing uh, laughable about that. Allah is able to do that. You remember the story of Inna Allah ala kulli shay'in qadir and the man who said, uh, when I become the king, what would you like me to do for you? And so on. It's, it's possible with, with Allah. Look at Sulaiman, alayhi salam. He makes istighfar to Allah, asking Allah to forgive him. And in asking Allah to forgive him, what does he ask him? He says, My Lord, forgive me. And after you've forgiven me, I want you to give me a kingdom which no one can ever have after me. He's asking. If, if you were listening, you'd say, Ah, ah Sulaiman, that's too much. Sulaimani asking istighfar and then asking for, for a kingdom, not, not better than his contemporaries. He means no one can have it after me. It should be the greatest kingdom. No one should have it after me. And did Allah give him? Yes, he did. We gave him the command of the wind. He could direct the wind and command it to go to places. You ever seen a king like that in the world? Even today, there's no such king. Commanding the wind. And the jinni are afraid of him, working for him, building for him. There is no such king. But Sulaiman asked for it. Because he had thicker in Allah. And Allah is giving you the green light. He's saying, if you all asked, it wouldn't take anything away from me. What is, what is the meaning of that? If someone stands in front of you, a rich man says, people, please don't be afraid. I have so much money that if you all asked me, I would still have a lot remaining. What, what do you take that for? That's a green light, isn't it? And the following day, all of you would be at, at his gates. Why? Because he says he has so much, it can't run out no matter how much we ask. So when Allah says that to us, if he says, I have so much... That the insi and the jinni, the first and the last, would ask me and it wouldn't take away anything from what I have. That's a green light. But Allah wants something from us when we ask him. He wants us to be persistent. And also to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to have yaqeen, Allah is going to give us. If he doesn't give you today, tomorrow. And after tomorrow, you never stop. You keep, you keep asking him. It's what Allah wants. Then after that, he says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Ya ibadi, O my slaves, innama hiya a'malukum. After everything he explained, he wants to tell you, after explaining, I don't need your psalm, I don't need your salah, I don't need you whatever, I'm, I'm rich, I'm above that. He says, innama hiya a'malukum. Then whose salah is it? It's yours. Innama hiya a'malukum. It's your work. Whose zakat is it? It's your zakat. Whose fasting is it? It's your fasting. 
I just count it for you and keep it for you. That's all I do. The work is yours. The salah is yours. Pray. If you pray one, once a day, I keep for you once a day. If you pray five times a day, you'll find five times a day. If you pray more than that, just like an accountant, I account it for you. Then I'm going to give you. I'll give you back. So if you think you're praying for me, in order for me to benefit, I don't benefit from your salah. I just keep it for you. You will find it yourself. So if you don't pray, you harm only yourself. Because the salah is not for Allah, it's yours. It's like putting your money in the cupboard and coming to steal it at night. You steal your own money, what, what happens? You harm yourself. You, uh, 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 I think Farid remembers the story of, of a brother of ours. We, we have a brother, when he was young, he, he went to school. When he came back, you know, they had left some, some relish for him. All right, put it somewhere on top for him to, to come and eat when he comes back from school. So when he arrived, he was hungry, he looked around, couldn't find anything, then he saw the relish, started eating it bit by bit, bit by bit, until there was only a bone remaining of the relish. Then our mother comes and says, ah, oh, you came back, says, yeah, a long time ago, really? Please get your, your food in the cupboard and get that relish on top. <laughs> He'd already eaten the relish. <laughs> so what does it do? Just get the, the, the bone and the soup and start eating. You, you, you ate it yourself. So the salah is yours. If you run away, you're denying yourself. It's your work. I count it for you. Then after that, I'm going to give it back to you. If you find something nice on that day, Thank Allah. Whoever finds something nice should thank Allah for the hidayah. And whoever finds other than that, he should only blame himself. Because if you didn't find salah, you don't have an argument. You can't say, ah, but what about all those I prayed? Where are they? You know very well you didn't pray. If you don't find zakat, you can't say, ah, but what about all those zakats we gave? You know very well you didn't give zakat. So the theme of this hadith is the work you do is yours, not Allah's. Maybe that way you'll be motivated. The majority of us think Allah is troubling us, just asking us, telling us to pray, telling us to fast. It's not him. It's something we need ourselves. In the same way that when we were young, we didn't understand that going to school was for us. We, we didn't understand that. We thought our fathers were very bad people for forcing us to wake up in the morning to go to school. But our fathers understood. They knew. They knew it was going to benefit us in the future. Even those who didn't go to school today, if life were to be reversed, how everyone would quickly go to school? Am I lying? If things were to be reversed and everyone became suddenly you're seven years old, you think you would refuse to go to school anymore? You wouldn't. Because then you would realize school is something that helps you, not, not your father. Your father is pushing you to go to school because he wants you to have a good life. 
The same applies to madrasa, the same applies to muhadarat and everything. When you say, please come and sit, let's listen. You think it's for, for the imam or for, for the muaddin or it's not for anyone. It's yours. It's, it's for you. On the day of judgment, you're going to reap the fruit of it. So Allah does not need this. You need it. On the contrary, Allah is kind to us because he wants what's good for us in the hereafter. Are we together? I think we can uh, uh, end this hadith here, insha'Allah ta'ala. We'll continue with the next hadith next week by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If there's a ta'liq question or anything on the hadith or any past hadith, tafadbaru.